Uh, Greg Cosell joins us now, executive producer and analyst for NFL Matchup. Uh, their games are uh, out, and uh, they will be uh, breaking those down on the ESPN Properties. Senior producer for NFL Films. Greg, what's up? How are you? So you guys are heading up to New York, huh? Yes. Looking forward to it. Army, Navy. Uh, well, you probably, yeah, I'm sure you guys don't know. There's no way you would know, but I, I grew up in Queens. Hey. Oh, I didn't realize that. So if we go no, over to Queens, will there be a sign in, like a plaque on the building that says Greg Cosell was here? Probably not, but uh, but Ron will appreciate this. You guys are probably too young to know this, but Ron will probably appreciate it, <laughs> given his basketball background. But when I played basketball in high school, my claim to fame was I went head-to-head against Ernie Grunfeld. Oh, really? Yeah. Hey. How, how, needless, how was he, how was he how, bringing how in high go? school? Yeah. Needless know. to say, he got the better of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, they said he could really sue Greg. Well, in, in high school, he was the same 6'5", 235 that he was, you know. And I was in high school, I weighed about 180. So uh, he mm. he got, and in fact, it's amazing how you remember this stuff. I actually remember what his statistics were in the game. And so, <laughs> so I, I, I'll truly embarrass myself even further by saying that he had 36 points and 25 rebounds. Jeez. And I didn't. Oh. <laughs> you didn't offset those numbers Greg. <laughs> no 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 hey but ron i was honorable mention all city in basketball you know new york oh, city okay what about bernard king you ever Straight run up against him <laughs> no no because you know ernie grunfeld went to forest hills high school in queens and you know and i okay. went to francis lewis high school in queens so bernard king went to fort hamilton high school which is right at the tip of the verrazano bridge you know at the end of uh at the end of brooklyn going into staten island Wow. That's wild. Right I love there, it. Man. Absolutely yeah. love it. At Greg Cosell on Twitter. Uh, Greg, obviously uh, the Titans claim Zach Cunningham today. Uh, they off, did, huh? Off, off yes. waivers. Yeah. Um, I, I know we didn't mention that we would bring his name up, but this just happened. That's fine. So, so oh, no, no, that's fine. What do the Titans get with Zach Cunningham? Well, uh, you know, assuming that there's no other issues, I'm sure they did their due diligence. You know, teams do that anyway about players in the NFL, uh, that, that's why they have scouting departments. And, you know, Zach Cunningham is a 6'3 player. He's got length. He's got movement. He can play three downs. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, I think it was the year before he signed the big contract, he was one of the best stacked linebackers in the NFL. And so he's a, he's a good player. Isn't he? A, is he a, he's a Vanderbilt guy, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. So he's so obviously people in, in Nashville know, know, know him. Um, so if he can play to what he is, and get his career kind of back on track. This seemed to be a little bit of a lost season for him for whatever reason. Um, I can't speak to that, but he's a talented guy. He's not old, and he he brings a a, a particularly good skill set to the table. So we'll see. I mean, this is I, I had not heard that. Did, did this just happen? Yeah. Yes. It happened uh, while we were on the air. Forty minutes ago. Yeah. Fact, yeah. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I was I was working watching tape, and I, I did not see that. So uh, you know, that's that's. Let's put it this way. It's a signing that probably can't hurt them. You know, I mean, who knows what he is. And as a player, I think he's pretty good. I mean, obviously, this year didn't go well, but I think as a player, he's pretty good. Assuming he's healthy, how, how challenging would it be for a linebacker signed on Thursday to play on Sunday? Um, I think it would be pretty challenging unless, and this I do not know, unless the concepts and the scheme are similar in other words that the the coach of the uh i'm which they're probably not because lovey smith's defense is nothing uh like the the titans defense in my view you know to a large extent so right. but uh, Vrabel I, was there 
in yeah. Houston. Well, so, was, Rabel, so, was so was Bowen. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. So they know him. That's the reason they probably signed him because they know him. Um, and I'm sure they could give him some some stuff. Like I, I would imagine he wouldn't be playing 60 snaps, but could he play some snaps in a given package? Yes, he probably could. Yeah, and that makes sense because Rashawn Evans has practiced this week, uh, and Jayon Brown is is back, I think. So you know, maybe maybe they could work a little package in for him. I don't know. Yeah, so but uh, it's a really interesting signing because uh, you know I don't know what the plans are for the future. Obviously, right now they're just trying to get him to the playoffs this year and get a good seating. So you know, I don't I don't know what all that means. None of us do, but uh, it's a good signing. Tell hey, us- Greg, yeah, real quick, ahead. you just mentioned uh, you hadn't seen it because you were watching film. I'm just nosy and curious. What are you watching right now? <laughs> well, I was watching because you guys are playing, and I hadn't gotten to him yet this week. I, I was watching Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Mm, which is exactly who I was going to ask you about. 12 I games in. Timing. 12 games uh, yeah, in. What are, you, what are you seeing? Um, you know, it, it's it's a really tough evaluation for a number of reasons. Um he's on a bad team and the old line has been a significant issue in pass protection. So Lawrence has rarely been able to settle into games and get comfortable in the pocket. So because of that, or I don't want to say because of that, maybe it would happen anyway as a rookie quarterback playing, you know, in the NFL for the first time, but Lawrence much of this season has played a little fast. He's been unsettled in the pocket. Maybe it is a function of the accumulated pressure over the course of the season. Regardless of the reason, he needs to settle down, find a comfort level. Um, you can just see it watching the tape. Everything seems to be happening really fast. Um, his ball placement must become more consistently precise for him to take the next step in his development. He misses too many layups. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while, you see the flash and you say, wow, that's that's pretty good. But there's just... Um, an inconsistency to his game. He's on a bad team. Look, studies have been done. I spoke to a quarterback coach for another team this summer who, when he got to that team, had them do a study. And the number one indicator of success as a rookie quarterback is the quality of your team. And so the idea that a quarterback comes in as a rookie and raises the level of a lousy team, that's not really proven. That rarely ever happens. It's really more about the team for a young quarterback. Yeah. Sticking to the quarterback position, uh, we were having this uh, debate. I'm, I missed your visit last week, but I, I'm curious. Uh, with, with Ryan Tannehill against the Patriots, obviously he's limited, right, with, with what he's got on the outside and what he's got yep. behind him at running back. And, and, you know, the hodgepodge at offensive line constantly changing guys. But I saw a few throws, Greg, in that Patriots game that made me nervous where he had a comp- – he had a completely clean pocket, was able to step yeah. into the throw and still missed guys badly. Yeah. A- am uh, I reading too much into that? No, I think, and maybe it's because of the way the season has played out, you know, losing Derrick Henry, losing receivers, you know, there, there's a whole comfort level to an offense that you get used to and you get comfortable with, obviously. And Tannehill does not have that comfort level this year. So, you know, I, I don't think, He's played overly well uh, on a consistent basis. Uh, in the New England game, I thought there were times, too, that he dropped back and they, they I don't want to say they fooled him, but I, 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 as a quarterback, you really want to be in a position where you're not figuring things out as you're dropping back. 
because it takes too long. It happens really fast. And I thought there were a, a number of snaps in that game where he had to try to figure some things out as he was dropping back, and that's never a comfortable position for a quarterback. Right, and the concerning thing for me is uh, even when he gets his weapons back, is he going to you know, revert back to the guy that had all the success the last year and a half and, and, and you know, just pick it up immediately, or has he developed something that, that reminds me a lot of Miami Dolphin Ryan Tannehill? Yeah, and that, we don't know that, and that's a hard, you know, there's that, that becomes speculation, and those who are Tannehill fans will say no, he's going to be good, and those who aren't will say, oh, he's not good. So, you know, I don't, I don't get into those kinds of conversations, as you guys know. Yeah. Um, so there's no way to really know that. I mean, look, here's what they anticipated: they anticipated Derrick Henry being the foundation of the offense. They anticipated that they'd get a lot of single high safety coverage because teams would have to put an extra defender in the box to stop Derrick Henry. And they anticipated that they'd have Julio Jones and AJ Brown on the outside working one on one. That's what they anticipated. That has happened about for about five minutes this year. So it's really hard to, to make a judgment as to you know, where Tannehill stands in his entire career, Brent. I mean, that's a hard thing to to, to really, that's just a, a speculative opinion that, you know, my daughters could give that an opinion on that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Greg, looking at this team, this defensive um, unit for Jacksonville, they got talent over there. Um, they do. But it, at this point in the season, but... though, is it? Yeah, that's <laughs> like, I'm trying to find a nice way to put it. Yeah. Like, do they, do they fold tent? Or do they have guys like, I mean, what what can we expect from this defense, Greg? Well, anything. I'll say this. Their defense, for the most part, I know they gave up 37 this week, mm -hmm. and then, so people are just looking at that and saying, oh, they're bad. But they've had some good games over the last month or so. Right. Look what they did to, against the Bills, yeah. uh, against um, um, the Colts. I watched that tape from a few weeks ago. I forget what week, but it was certainly within the last month or so. Mm -hmm. And I thought their front seven beginning about the second quarter of that game was the more dominant unit against the Colts O-line in that game. Yeah. Their front seven has some players now. Uh, I think it's their secondary. That's a bit of a concern because right now they're playing with Campbell, the rookie at right corner. You guys are familiar with him from Georgia. Mm -hmm. uh, Lawson is the left corner. I don't know if Griffin is back this week. I believe he, he's been in concussion protocol, so he could well be back, but Campbell the last number of weeks, Campbell's been the right corner. Lawson, who's been with a number of teams, is the left corner. Rudy Ford's been the slot corner. He's actually played very well since he became the slot corner, oh, maybe six weeks ago. He shows up on tape. Yeah. Um, and Miles Jack in any given week can, can look really good. Um, Wilson is a solid linebacker with him. Damian Wilson, he's been around the block with a few teams, Dallas, KC. So their front group is not bad. It's just the secondary that at times causes a lot of problems. And that's the reason I asked it, Greg, because I, I like honestly, I um <clears throat> going into that game against the Rams, I was like I was like, man, they've given everybody a run for their money at some point have, in the game. Yeah. And that game was just a blowout. I was so I was like, man, did they just fold tent and like Well, you know what? Here's how I'll answer that. And not that we're spending a lot of time on the Rams. But right. the Rams did something totally different in that game. Okay. And I guarantee huh. that the Jaguars were not prepared for that. The Rams played with 16 snaps of six O-line personnel. And Sean McVay has been adamantly opposed to six O-line personnel throughout his, his coaching career. So there's no way they knew that was coming. No way. Now, what was and that, Greg, though? Was that to, what, more run the football. provide more protection? Oh, okay. All right. All right. Okay. Run the football. Because it, 
the Rams have had, you know, again, we don't want to spend a lot of time on right, the Rams, right. but the Rams have had to make some adjustments at the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've been unable to run the ball. So they sort of made some some meaningful adjustments. And there's no way that Jacksonville could have known that was coming. Do, do you think that at some point we would see something to catch a guy off guard um, with the Titans offense? Or just... The Titans are who they are. We're going to run the ball. We're going to play play action. Um, I mean, I think you'll always potentially see if are you talking about like a trick play kind of thing? No, yeah, um, either script play or like when, when since we were talking about the Rams, when um, Stafford got in trouble, he started rolling the pocket a little bit for him and having a yeah, well, that's roll a, for him. But, but that's also a staple of what they do. Okay, um, you know, so. Look, I think when you're trying to get your offense going, it's not a matter of trick plays per se. That doesn't mean they won't try one. I don't want someone to say, oh, you said they wouldn't do it. You know, they could. <laughs> but I think but I think that maybe you look for things that have a, a misdirection element mm-hmm. to them, a deception element to them. You know, you're trying you're trying to run the ball, obviously, and, and there's many ways to run the ball. There's not one way to run the ball. And then in the past game, you're obviously trying to set up Tannehill so that he has clean, defined reads and he knows where to go with the ball, ideally before the ball is snapped. That's what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's ways to do that. I mean, you, you talk about, you know, what the Rams did last week. They did have a play to cup for 43 yards against the Jags where um, he rolled left and they had cup show run blocking and then he released across the field on what's called a rail route and there's a deception a misdirection deception element to that it's not a gimmick but it's a misdirection deception play you know maybe those are the kinds of things you try to do to get your offense jump started greg cosell with us at greg cosell on twitter greg wanted to get your take on this urban meyer was asked today which position group on the titans worries him the most when looking at this team their offensive line they ran for 270 against the Patriots. They, uh, it's make no, and I think Julio's probably back. I hear, so uh, yeah, there's there's plenty. That's that's a they, they've done a very good job. I think culturally they've done a good job too. We played that uh, cut earlier, and his answer of offensive line kind of surprised a lot of people. I, I guess I'd have gone defensive tackle maybe first, but uh, did did that surprise you that he answered that way? Um, based on your tape study of the Titans, you know. I think he looks at the team as a whole and how they're built. Because uh, obviously this team is built, even without Derrick Henry, it's still a running football team at its core. So, you know, again, I don't want to start parsing Urban Meyer's brain, you know, because I don't know what's in his brain. Um, but, <laughs> we could go a lot uh, but, of places with that. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, that's why I said that. I figured that, you know, it was a little open-ended there intentionally. Um, <clears throat> but, um, yeah, so I don't know, you know, how he sees it, you know, um, but – you know, I mean, clearly, I think that the defensive line of the Titans is better than their offensive line if you're just looking at units. But, you know, he that that maybe is something he, you know, don't forget, he could have just come out of an offensive line. You know, he could have just come out of a meeting where they spent time talking about the offensive line. You right. never know. You know, that could have been on his mind at that point. You know, yep. hey, real quick, while we've got you um, that New England uh, uh, Bills game. Uh, we were talking yeah. to Coach Mack uh, yesterday, and he said, did "What did see, he think?" He, 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 he said, "Did you see Sean McDermott losing his mind on the sideline?" It's because New England literally ran two different plays the entire game. Yeah, well, 
the question I would have, and I'd love to what Coach Mac's answer would be, because he knows coaches, you know, as as people. Uh, you know, I know them from watching tape. I mean, I know a good number of coaches as people, but certainly not like Coach Mac. The question I have is, would New England have played that way if it was 50 and sunny? And and I don't think there's I don't most people would probably immediately answer. No, they wouldn't have. I don't know if that's the answer. I think he might have played that way regardless, because I think he believed that Buffalo could not score against his defense because Buffalo has a couple of significant weaknesses on offense with their O-line and their run game. And, you know, I'm not saying he would have thrown it three times, but I think it easily could have been a game where, you know, he might've had Mac Jones drop back 12 times, you know, it it just that he would not have dramatically changed his game plan. That's just my sense. I could be totally wrong. Why is Lamar Jackson struggling so much? Uh, Normally when quarterbacks struggle, they're not seeing things clearly or quickly enough um plays that are designed for whatever reason they don't throw it to where it should go um these are questions that you know these are things the tape shows the why brand is yeah. is an unknown you have to have the conversation with lamar jackson but he's clearly not seeing things he tends to drop his eyes he's a runner um and what's happened too is for whatever reason in recent weeks They've not been, he's not been making big plays running. The big, bigger factor is he's played three games since week 10 when the Dolphins did that, that special defense for him. I'm sure you all remember where they put six, seven, eight people on the line of scrimmage and blitzed a lot. He's been blitzed a ton in the three games he's played, counting that game. And his quarterback rating versus blitz is 9.4. So they're having a major issue. And it's not just him. Because then you have, you have protection, you've got yeah. other factors that play into it, but they are not functioning at all versus blitz in their last three games. Gosh, that's interesting stuff. Greg Cosell, Great at stuff. Greg Cosell on Twitter. Thank you, Greg. Always love catching up with you, my friend. Thanks, hey, Greg. guys, have a great time in New York. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks, Cosell. We're going to go to Queens. Yeah. Let's see where GC grew up. 50 Cent and Greg.